I know they are excited. I want you to just look around as they go out. They are everywhere. And we are blessed. While they're going out, just want to take a minute to uh, tell you about a new small group that's going to be starting up soon. Uh, I, I think the, the kind of the title or the theme of it is, I'm a Nazarene, now what? And so it's kind of about what it means to be a Nazarene, what the Church of the Nazarene is all about. I appreciate Hunter uh, and Melanie Thrasher hosting that in their home. There's a sign-up sheet for it. It's, I believe it's going to be a six-week. Is that right? It's going to be a six-week small group. So for those of you that have been kind of leery of committing to being a part of a small group and thinking that's going to last all the way till eternity, uh, maybe a, a six-week six group would work for you. I know there's some spots available back there. And so if you'd be interested in doing that, sign up. When that fills up, they'll start another one, and, and there'll be opportunities for you to go through that uh, in the future. Also, Lynette and I host a marriage group in our home uh, that we've been blessed to do for a couple years now. We take about four couples at a time, do a six-week small group with them. And uh, we're currently filled up through uh, the end of the year, but we will have uh, signups up available for that starting again uh, after the first of the year in January. So if you haven't done that, I want to encourage you to do that for nothing else more than if you don't even give a rip about your marriage, all right? It's, all, it's, it's okay. We've had people that come that don't, I promise. But no, I'm, I'm kidding. But it, it's a wonderful marriage class. But the best thing about it is, is Lynette, my wife, cooks a meal every single week for that group. And my wife is an incredible cook. And so if for nothing else, you can get some good food. And then uh, maybe we can help you have a better marriage because uh, God's been able to do a great work in and through that. So good stuff going on in our church. Uh, we encourage you to get involved. We encourage you to, if you're interested in becoming a member, contact the office. We'd love to talk with you about that. Uh, many of you have kind of been on the fence about being baptized. Uh, God's word says, hey, repent, be saved, and be baptized. That's kind of the next step for you. So if you'd like to talk to us about scheduling a time to do that, we would love to do that. It's great to be back with you today. Uh, been on vacation. Thank you so much for allowing uh, Lynette and I the opportunity to uh, take a week off. And uh, I, I, some of you may not know it, but we actually, uh, uh, this uh, the past few weeks, have celebrated Lynette's 50th birthday. And so uh, she's half a century. She has never clapped about that. Uh, that may have just offended her. But uh, anyway, she turned 50, and so we thought, hey, we'll, we'll take an awesome trip to uh, Florida to celebrate your birthday. And so uh, we had the opportunity to, to uh, uh, enjoy a hurricane for Lynette's 50th birthday, and it was awesome. I would highly recommend it. If you've never been in a hurricane, book you a trip and get you some of that. Uh, I told Lynette, this is the second year in a row. Last year, last year we went to Charleston, 
And uh, there was a hurricane out in, the, out in the ocean the whole time we were there, just churning it up. Right after we left, it came ashore. And I kid you not, the exact place where we were staying was where the news people were doing their, you know, standing in ankle-deep water, you know, in the wind, doing their deal. But anyway, so I told Lynette, I said, we're done with the beach. Uh, we're going snow skiing next year. I don't think there can be hurricanes there. But uh, it's great to be back. We missed you guys, but we really had a good time. It wasn't that bad for us where we were. If you're guest here today. We're glad you're here. Uh, again, we know you have a choice as to where you go and worship. Uh, if you've never filled out one of our guest cards, there's some scattered around there. If you'd fill that out, you can leave it in your chair and uh, no one even know any, any difference. But uh, we would love to know that you're here. If you take it to the Welcome Center, though, they'll give you a gift. All right. A really awesome coffee uh, mug that uh, I lost. If one of you took mine, it has water in it and it was cold. And so... Uh, where'd I leave it? I left it on the Welcome Center. So I'm drinking right now out of, I'm going to preach here in a minute, but I hadn't been here in two weeks. I missed y'all. So I, I'm drinking Lynette's secondhand backwashed water at the time. <laughs> anyway, if you have your Bibles this morning, turn to the second book of the Bible, which is the book of Exodus. Turn with me to chapter 20 this morning. Some of you are giggling that have been here the last two and a half months because we've been doing the Ten Commandments out of Deuteronomy chapter 5. They're also recorded in Exodus chapter 20. Now, if you're in chapter 20, go ahead and flip over to chapter 34. That was a mean joke, I know. I about said all I can say about the Ten Commandments. After two and a half months, we're we, we done with that. <clears throat> but I am pumped about this new series. Th this morning... Uh, in the early service, they were like, you were really excited. I, I preached till I sweat in that early service this morning. I mean, it, it was, I, I'm so excited uh, about this new series that we're starting called The Name of the Lord. And, and this is going to be good. And you're not going to want to miss a single week of this. It, it's that good. Uh, after, you know, uh, after two and a half months in Deuteronomy chapter five, I'm sure you're pretty excited. We're starting a new series too, but, but I'm looking forward to these next few weeks because we're really going to dig into and take a deeper look at the name of God, because here's the deal, folks. God has a name. God has a name, and it's important that you know that name. Uh, you know, just think about how important your name is to you. What would life be like if you didn't have a name? You know, what, what would it be like if no one knew your name? Or, or what if you had a name and your family started calling you by a different name? That wasn't your name or a name that you didn't, didn't like. Let's say, you know, say for instance, instead of uh, my wife Lynette, instead of her calling me Steve, she decides today she's going to start calling me by a different name. And she starts calling me Ichabod, right? Or some other name that I don't like, right? You know, what's that going to do for our intimacy together, you know, and our relationship there if she doesn't call me by my name? Or, or even worse, let's say that people just refer to you by your characteristics and they walk up to you and they say, you know, hello, big ears, you know, or, or they, they come up to you and say, you know, hello, big nose, you know, would you rather have a hundred dollars or a nose full of nickels? And, and so, you know, they, they, they just speak to you based off your characteristics or some of you just got that and you would rather have a nose full of nickels. I get it. But, uh, 
Uh, you know, but, but let's say Lynette walked in and I said, hello, female, you know, or greetings, human. That wouldn't be very intimate, would it? If, if we just talk to each other based on our characteristics uh, about each other. And as strange as that would be for our, uh, us to do that, I, I believe that's what people often do with God. In our, our relationship to him, we refer to him uh, by classification or we refer to him by, by a description of who he is. But, but something that's really been impressed on me that I'm excited about is that scripture is, is so clear about the fact that God has a name. And knowing that is extremely important to how we, we know him and how we experience him and how we are in relationship with him. And so what we're going to learn in the weeks ahead, in the weeks to come, we'll probably do, uh, this probably be about a five-week series counting today. And so what we're going to learn in the weeks to come is knowing his name is how uh, we, we know and experience God's presence. Okay, knowing his name is how we know and experience his power in our lives. All his presence and all his power is accessed through, and this is so good, it's accessed through his name. His presence and his power is accessed through our knowledge of his name, all, all of that. But for a lot of people today, I, I believe it's like we sang earlier. You know, we, we sang that God's a, a marvelous mystery, right? Well, I believe for a lot of folks today that God is just simply that, that he's a mystery, that they don't know him. Or, or they, you know, they, they, they believe in him, but they can't really figure him out. And so, you know, he's a mystery. You know, and, and they'll ask, can I, can I really know God? Can I really have a, a personal relationship, you know, with God? And, and it's, it's kind of like a mystery to, to a lot of people because they don't get it. They don't know and they don't understand it. And, and so maybe some of you are like that. And, and I'll be honest. You know, I, I was like this. At one point in time in my life, I was born and raised in the church, right? I believe my mom took me straight from the hospital when I was born to church. I've been in church all my life. I, I know all about church. And so, you know, there was a time in my life, though, to where I really struggled in, in the fact of how can I have a relationship with somebody that I can't see and I can't touch. And the preacher would say, but you can talk to him. And I'm like, but yeah, how? You know, how does that work? How do I talk to somebody that is, is not actually physically there? Because I'm a human, right? I'm used to interaction with, with people and humans. And so I really struggled with this. Now, don't get me wrong. I wanted to have a relationship with God. Right? I wanted to feel these things. I knew that I should. I knew that it was the right thing. I knew it was what God wanted for my life. But I really struggled with it because I couldn't figure it out. I, I couldn't figure out how to make this work or, or make this happen. And I'd see other people talk about God and they'd get choked up. You know, I'd see my grandpa. He would talk about God and he would just cry. He would weep. I'd see people worship, and they'd have hands raised and tears running down their cheeks, you know? And I would look at me, and I'd be like, nothing. You know, where's that coming from? How do they generate that? How do they manufacture that? How do they feel this way about, about God? And, and maybe for some of you to think about God, you know, you believe there's a God, you, you believe that there is a God, but, but by believing that there's a God, it creates more questions for you than it actually does answer. 
And, and so if you find it a, a little difficult uh, uh, for you to connect with God the way that you do, the way you connect with other people, then, then I, I believe this series is going to be very helpful for you. And, and honestly, what I've learned is, is there's a lot of people that go to church today that are simply faking it, all right? There's, there's a lot of people that go to church today and call themselves a Christian that are, are simply faking it just because they don't get God, right? And he's a mystery to them, and, and they, they want to do right, they want to do the right thing, but they're having to fake it because it's, they look at themselves and there's nothing. You know, it's not there. And so I believe that this series, I, I, can you tell I'm a little excited about this series? Because right, I believe this series is going to change some of your lives. I believe this series is going to change some of your families. I believe this series is going to change our church. And so buckle up. You know, next Sunday we'll have little seat belts in your thing for you. Because it's going to be that awesome and that good. And my prayer is that through this series that we will discover the path to truly knowing God. To truly loving God and living in his presence and living in his power. And by the way, this would be a great series for you to invite some people to come to. All right, if you know some people that are, are looking for a church or they're not in church or maybe they don't even know God and you, you might even look at them and go, there's not ever even a chance of them knowing God. They're so far away from God. There's hope. There's always hope. Bring them. Get them here. Because I believe this would be a great series for some people to hear that may have questions about God. And so invite people to come because I, I believe over these next few weeks that God's going to do a tremendous work uh, in our lives. But, but here's the deal. Whatever that it is that comes to your mind when you think about God. Okay, when you think about the name of God, whatever it is that comes to your mind when you think about God is the most important thing about you. Whatever it is you think about God is the most important thing about you because it will determine everything else in your life. Whatever it is that you think about God will determine everything else in your life. What you believe about God will define your life like nothing else. For an example, if you feel that you can't trust God, maybe some things have happened in your life and you're like, you know, God just hadn't dealt me a, a, a fair deck and, and, and you know, God, God's really not been that good to me and God's been a little more generous giving his gifts to these people over here than he has me and maybe your view of God is, is that you can't trust God. Let me tell you something. You will always worry and you will always have anxiety. If you can't trust God, you might as well worry, right? You're going to have anxiety because you can't trust him. If you think of God as some judgmental tyrant, you will always live a life of fear. You will live a life of insecurity if that's how you view God. If you think of God as being someone who is distant, someone who is out there instead of in here, you're always going to feel insignificant in your life. And, and so here's what we're going to be doing over these, these next few weeks. Well, you know, whatever it is that comes to your mind about God is the most important thing about you. And so we're going to be looking at what I believe is one of the most important passages of Scripture 
in the Old Testament in Exodus chapter 34. We're going to be looking at verses 6 and 7 over these next few weeks. And, and here's a, a little, and, and here's, here's what happens in that passage of Scripture. The reason it's so important is because this is where God declares his name to Moses. Okay, they're in Exodus 34. And a little bit of Bible trivia for you. Uh, uh, did you know that Exodus chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, it, uh, are the most, it, it's the most quoted passage of Scripture of the Old Testament, Testament by other writers of the Bible. It's the most quoted passage of Scripture by other writers of the Bible, uh, verses 6 and 7 of 34. It's like... Exodus 34, 6 and 7 to them is like our John 3, 16, okay? And, and so what we're going to do today is, is we're going to look up, uh, we're going to look at the story leading up to 34, chapter 34, verses 6 and 7, so that we can unpack them over the next few weeks. So if you go back one chapter, all right, to Exodus 33, I'm sorry I jumped ahead, I told you to turn 34, we'll get there at the end. We're actually going to go back to Exodus 33 to kind of see what's going on and, and brings us up to what we want to look at. But basically, the nation of Israel, they've just left Egypt, and they're headed to the promised land, right? God's promised them this land, this place flowing with milk and honey. And so they've left uh, Egypt. They're on their way to the promised land. They stop at Mount Sinai. Moses goes up on the mountain, right, to get instructions from God. Ten Commandments. Anybody ever heard of the Ten Commandments? He goes up on the mountain to be with God. He's gone a little bit longer than they think he ought to be gone. He's gone a little bit longer than he was supposed to be gone. And so the people got scared. The people got angry. The people got antsy. The, the, the people just kind of freaked out because Moses wasn't coming back and now they're doubting God, they're doubting Moses, they're doubting everything. And so what do they do? They take all their jewelry, they melt it down, and they make a what? Uh, an idol, a golden calf, right? And, and so they, they build this calf out of their, their jewelry and they start worshiping this golden calf because that's what we all do when we get scared, right? So we melt all our jewelry and we... We make a golden calf out of it. Go figure. I don't even know why or where all that happened. But anyway, this is a horrible betrayal of God, is it not? God's brought his people out of bondage. He's leading them to the promised land. Now they have totally turned their backs on God. They begin worshiping this idol that they've created. They're basically saying that God is no longer their God. And so it's a bad situation, right? It's a bad deal all the way around. And chapter 33, starting in verse 1, says this. And for the sake of time, I'm just going to hit the highlights. I'm not going to put it all up there. Uh, just kind of get us up to where we need to be. Then the Lord said to Moses, leave this place. I will send an angel before you and drive out the Canaanites. Go up to the land flowing with milk and honey. In other words, what God's saying here, I'm going to keep my word to you. I promised you the promised land, right? And, and so I'm, I'm keeping my promise, but I will not go with you because you are a stiff-necked people. Now, on the surface, this might seem like a really great offer, especially for a lot of Americans today, because if you think about it, what's God saying here, right? God's saying, I will give you all of the success that you ever wanted. I'm going to give you your dreams. 
I'm going to give you economic success. I'm going to give you military success. I'm going to give you political success. I'm going to give you everything that you wanted. And it's going to come with no obligation to me. Right? I'm going to give you everything that you ever dreamed of. And it's going to come with all the blessing. But you have no obligation to God. So think about it. When you get to the promised land. There's not going to be any need to build a temple because I'm not going to be there. There's not going to be a need for you to have to maintain that temple. No prayers required. No tithing required. There's just going to be God's blessing and no strings attached. I'm going to say some people probably take him up on that today, don't you? I'm going to say there are some people that already have. But look at verse 15 and 16. Then Moses said to God, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me and with your people unless you go with us? What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? In other words, Moses says, God, you can keep all that success. If it comes without you, if you don't go with us, I don't want to go, right? And can I ask you a question this morning? And would you answer it honestly this morning? If God offered you everything that you had ever dreamed of, you get the million dollar a year salary. You get the job that you always wanted. You get the land that you always wanted to own. You get the perfect health. Your kids grow up and they're all brain surgeons and very successful people. And you get everything that you ever wanted and everything that you ever dreamed of, but just not God's presence in your life. Would you take it? Moses said, not me, not today, not ever. And, and I believe that Moses can say this for, for, for two reasons. The first is this. He saw God as the ultimate prize. He saw God as the ultimate reward, not just someone who was useful to him, not just someone who was handy to have around if he got in a pinch, Right? He wanted to be with God because he enjoyed being with God. He enjoyed being in God's presence and, and, and not as some way of getting what he wanted. But, but some people, many people, I would say, view God as someone that we go to and say, I need this and, and I need that. And oh, by the way, God, my relationship with you is going to be dependent on how you do what I want you to do. Because if you're a good God to me, then I'll be a good little Christian for you. But if you don't do and give what I want you to do and give, then I'll just quit going to church and I'll not be a part of that anymore. Because you're not doing what I want you to do. And so the question is, this morning, do you see God as the ultimate prize? Do you see God as the ultimate thing in life to have? The ultimate reward. Moses didn't see God as a means to the end. He saw God as the end. <laughs> if this afternoon you have to choose 
You could have everything in the world without God. Or you could have nothing in the world with God. What would be your choice? And the second reason that I believe Moses made the choice that he made was because he saw without God, everything else was useless, right? Everything else in this world is just going to fade away. Everything else is going to rust. Everything else is going to rot. Today, think about it. You may be at the top of your field but there's coming a day tomorrow when you're going to be the old guy fighting for reverence and respect. Today, you're beautiful. Tomorrow, things sag. And they droop. And they ache. And no amount of eating right, olive oil lay, or Botox is going to fix it. Right? Today, you have a healthy family. Tomorrow, you're standing around a graveside. Today, your parents seem to be deeply and madly in love. Tomorrow, you're standing in shattered pieces of a family because of divorce. So Moses says to God, God, you keep your trophies. You keep your land. You can keep your million dollar a year salary. You can keep your good health. If I don't have your presence, I don't want any of it. Because without you, I've really got nothing. <laughs> and think about it. Moses had had all these things. Remember? Prince of Egypt? He had lived in the palace. He had had everything that the world could possibly offer. He had experienced the dream. He had experienced it, it, it all. And then he had had it all taken away where he had nothing but God. And to some of you, this, this will sound crazy, but let me tell you what I've learned. People who have experienced everything without God and then experienced nothing with God will take nothing with God every single time. And let me just be blunt here, and I'm probably around more people that are dying than anyone else here, unless you're a nurse or a mortician. <laughs> I'm probably around more people that, that are dying than most of you ever will be. And here's what I've learned through those experiences. Not one person on their deathbed has ever told me that they wish they had worked more. Not one person on their deathbed has ever told me, I wish I had accumulated more land. Not one person on their deathbed has ever said to me, I wish I would have grown a bigger business. Not one. Not one person because what good is success if you're dead? What good is success if when you die, it's all over? 
the most important thing that you could ever possess is God. The most important thing in our lives must be God. What does it profit you if you get everything? What does it profit you if you live the American dream but don't have God? Moses understood that God was all that really mattered in his life. He was, real, he was ready and willing to say, if I have nothing else, God, here's what I want. And then it almost seems like God, uh, or Moses has, has got in a situation now to where he kind of just wanted to negotiate with God. Because, okay, God, here's, here, here's the deal. Uh, you know, I, I'll take nothing with you, but, but look down in verse 18 and what he says then. And then Moses says, now... Show me your glory. Show me your glory. In, in other words, God, since you are all that really matters in my life, right? Since I am going to make you my, my sole possession, here's, here's the deal, God. I don't want a part-time relationship with you. I, I don't want a part-time relationship with you just on Sunday. I, I don't want a part-time relationship with you just on couple Sundays a month and sometimes on Wednesday, right? He says, I don't want you to give me just a little bit. I don't even want you just to be nearby me. I want all of you. I want to see your glory. I want to live in your glory. I want to experience your glory. Listen, don't miss this. If you're going to follow Jesus, do it 100%. Right? That's what Moses is saying. I want it all. If you're all I'm going to have, God, I want it all. I want all of you. I want 100%. Because here's the deal. The most, and some of you are going to be able to relate to what I'm saying right now. The most miserable people in this world are half-committed Christians. They are. Because they're, they're just enough a part of the world that God makes them uncomfortable. And they're just enough a part of God that the world makes them uncomfortable. And they're most, the most miserable people in the world. And, and so, and can, I, can I just, can I tell you this today because I love you? And I hope you don't take this wrong. But for some of you, church is a hobby. And can I tell you this this morning? Church is a horrible hobby. <laughs> Think about it. If church is your hobby, you need to get a new hobby because church is not one that I, that I would recommend for you to have. I, I mean, but it is for a lot of people. But, but think about it. I, those poor people this morning that come to that 830 service, they had to get up really, really early to get here on their day off, right? But you get up on your day off. You dress up. You don't know, some of you don't normally dress like this to go to work. I mean, you're really dressed up today. You got up on your day off. You dressed up. You know, you come to a place where, you know, the parking at best is sketchy because half of the people that come here can't park between the lines. If you park under the power lines, for whatever reason, the birds all over your car. And those of you that know, half the time, if you park on the power lines, you got to leave here and go wash your car on your day off, right? And so, you know, you come in this big room that's crowded with people. Somebody more than likely is in your seat. You never know if you're going to get to sit where you sat the last time you were here or not. You're sitting by someone that's sneezing and coughing. I'm sorry. Had a sick one come up to me this morning, and I stuck my hand out, and she said, no, you don't want to do that. Right? Because, because, you know, you come to this place, and people have colds. They have flu. They have stomach viruses. 
And, and then you get in here, you know, and you're trying to act like you're thrilled to be here, you know, after the parking and the, <laughs> and, and you get in here and what are we trying to do? We're trying to get you to volunteer. We're trying to get you to work in the nursery. You know, we're trying to get you to work with youth. And, and you know, you may or may not like the music. The, someone may, may have played off key. Heaven forbid the words on the screen didn't match what they were singing. <laughs> this is a horrible place to be. <laughs> we should just close and go home. And then you have some guy get up here and yell at you for 45 minutes. You know, church is a terrible hobby. It's miserable. But listen, church is only enjoyable if you go all the way. Church will only be enjoyable for you if you walk in here craving the glory of God. So, I don't know, maybe this should have been a point. Go big or go home. I don't know. Then look at what, I'm sorry. Please come back and tithe. All right, let's move on. Verse 19, look at what God says to Moses. God says, and the Lord said, I will cause all my goodness to pass in front of you, and I will proclaim what? Don't miss this. This is so good. I will proclaim my name, the Lord. But he said, you cannot see my face, for no one may see me and live. Then the Lord said, there's a place near me where you may stand on a rock. When my glory passes by, I will put you in a cleft in the rock and cover you with my hand until I've passed by. Then I will remove my hand and you will see my back, but my face must not be seen. And so Moses does what God tells him to do. He does what he, he commands him to do. He chisels the Ten Commandments out in stone. He carries them in his hands. And then we get over to chapter 34. And I want to pick it up at verse 5. It says this, Then the Lord came down in the cloud and stood there with him. And what did God do? Don't miss this. He proclaimed his name, the Lord. And he passed in front of Moses proclaiming his name, the Lord, the Lord, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger, abounding in love and faithfulness. Maintaining love to thousands and forgiving wickedness, rebellion, and sin. Yet, he does not leave the guilty unpunished. Now, this last phrase, if you stop right here, it sounds like a contradiction, doesn't it? I mean, because God is saying here, I'm compassionate, I'm loving, I want to forgive everyone, and... I will not, not let sin go unpunished. Okay? And it kind of sounds like if the Bible ends right here in Exodus 34, 7, that God has contradicted himself. And, and Moses never really got clarity on this. But don't miss this. This is why it says that Moses saw the backside. Right? Moses never saw the full picture. 
He was never fully in the know because we know that the Bible doesn't end in Exodus 34. And in the Gospel of John chapter 1, we see John introducing to us Jesus by basically recreating Exodus 34 verses 6 and 7. Look at John chapter 1 verse 14. Then the Word became flesh and made His dwelling among us. Don't miss this. We have seen His glory. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father full of grace and truth. So now what has happened? God's glory has been revealed fully to us, right? Moses couldn't see it. He only saw the backside. You know, don't miss this. Now God brings this full circle and now we can experience the glory of God through Jesus himself. Now we see, now we get it. God is loving. God is forgiving. It's not a contradiction. What he was saying is, I love you. I forgive you. And there must be a punishment for sin. But oh, by the way, I'm going to take care of that for you through my son, Jesus Christ. And it all makes sense now, right? It all makes sense. Jesus resolves the contradiction that Moses was left with in Exodus chapter 34. Moses got put into a rock and got to see the backside of God's glory. We got put into Jesus and we get to see his full glory face to face. Wow. Jesus described himself like this on later in the Gospel of John chapter 17 and verse 6. This is Jesus talking. He said, I have manifested what? Your name. I have manifested your name to the men whom you have given me out of the world. And, and so here's what I think is important uh, for us to, to take away from this today as we begin this series on the name of the Lord. God's presence and God's power is in his Name. It's in his name. And when God passed in front of Moses, it had nothing to do with what Moses saw. It had nothing to do with what Moses could see. It says he heard what? He heard a declaration. What was that declaration? It was the declaration of a name. And as you read all of Scripture, you see it time and time again that all of God's power is in his name. It's in his name by which you've been saved. It's in his name. In the first sermon that was preached after Jesus died, Peter was preaching in Acts chapter 2, verse 21. He says, and everyone who calls on what? This is good. We're going to be on this for several weeks. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And that doesn't mean just mumbling some magic word or magic phrase. It means to have faith in the name. Faith in the character of God behind the name. There is power in his name. Philippians chapter 2 verse 9 says, Therefore God exalted Jesus to the highest place and gave him the name. He gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. I don't even know how you get under the earth, but they're going to bow if they're there, right? And every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Every king, every cynic, every doubter, every, live, every person, past, present, and future, the power of his name will drive them to the their knees. Every creature, some in worship, 
others in fear, but all in recognition that he is the king of kings and lord of lords. It was by his name that the lame were made to walk. It was in his name that the blind were made to see and the deaf were made to hear. It was in the name of Jesus that demons were drove out. Jesus says we are to be baptized in his name. We are to pray for our, to our heavenly father for help. In the name of Jesus, just hearing his name should fill us with hope. <laughs> I've lost my place. I'm going to preach before I get done. In closing, <laughs> that's what you all wanted to hear. And so in this series, what we're going to do is we're going to learn that we will grow spiritually. And we will grow closer to God as we press deeper into his name, the name of the Lord. And, and I'm going to tell you, this series won't change you. My preaching won't change you. But the name of the Lord will change you. <laughs> so let me ask you, do you want to see God? Do you want to experience his glory? Do you want to see his glory? Do you want to live in relationship with him in such a way that when you hear his name, it bubbles up emotion in your heart and in your life? Well, if you would say yes, I would say, then do what, Jesus, do what Moses did. Do what Moses did. Ask for it. Ask for it and then put yourself in a position to experience it. Well, what does that look like? That looks like being in his word, right? Reading his word, get in God's word and ask God to, to show you himself in and through his word. And you say, I don't know where to start. I don't know where to begin. That's a poor excuse because you can go to our website and there are like 15,000 million Bible reading plans on our website. Go find one. You'll never read them all before the year 3000, I promise. So it's not a good excuse to say, I don't have a plan. There's a plan on our website, greenbarnazarene.org. Bible reading plan. Get in God's word. Ask Jesus to show you his glory, to show you himself. Ask him to show you how he wants to be involved in every moment of your every day because he does. 100% or nothing, go big or go home, right? Because whatever you think about the name of God, here's the deal. Whatever it is you think about the name of God will define your life and affect every detail of your life. It will. It'll do it like nothing else. There is power and his presence in his name. Don't even think about missing these next four weeks. And if you got to, if you're like in the hospital, go online and catch up because I promise you this is going to be some powerful good stuff. Let me pray for you. God, thank you for loving us enough to want to be in our presence. Thank you for loving us enough to wanting to reveal your glory and who you are and everything that you are to us and in us and through us. God, this is such powerful stuff, and maybe it's a, an eye-opening day for some people here to realize, you know, they've just kind of been a half-committed, half-hearted, part-time Christian. 
They're kind of in the relationship on Sundays and sometimes on Wednesdays, and that's why they're miserable. That's no way to live. I pray that we'd be like Moses. Without you, nothing else is important. With you, everything else will be fine. And so, God, I thank you for this reminder today. I thank you for what your spirit is speaking into our hearts and our lives. And I pray now that uh, we would allow you to make the change in our life you spoke to us about making today. Because your goal is to always to shape us, mold us, and make us into your image. And so, God, I pray that we'd be available and open to allow you to do that today. I pray as we go forward in this series that lives will be changed, families will be changed, our church will be changed as we come to grow and know and understand the power of your name. We thank you so much this morning for your love. I pray that everything that we do would give you glory and bring you honor. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Love you guys. I hope you have a great week.